at the times where like we're mad at each other that's when it's like bro what the fuck am i doing with my life but then it's also just recognizing it's like what just in life in general it's just like we are playing for the long game here right it's hard now it's going to be hard in the future but we at the end of the tunnel there is an eventual light Hey everybody, welcome back to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead, and we are here today with the final episode of Season 6. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a new listener, thank you so much for finding us, and I'm so grateful for anyone who is sharing this podcast with their friends, their family, significant others, your neighbors, your mailman, whoever you know, your vet even. That's a little foreshadowing for today's episode, but in the meantime, I want to go ahead and in let y'all know who we're going to have on the podcast today to wrap up season six. And it is a good friend of my significant other, Josh. So I'm actually very excited to be able to get to know this guest a little bit better and share his story with y'all today. If you are new here and you're just happening to tune in today for this last episode of season six, I encourage you to catch up on all the other seasons and all the other episodes. But I've Been Better is a podcast that is a storytelling platform for people to share their stories with the world. Uh, What I do for work is get to listen to people's stories all day long, and I find that an amazing honor and a privilege to do that. And so I wanted to find a way to share the stories of the people I get to interact with in my personal life as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. And let's get to today's guest. Welcome, Danny Gallagher. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being on here, Danny. Um, Just so y'all are aware, we are doing this episode virtually, so we are not recording live. Danny's actually in Oklahoma, so he is in a completely different time zone. It's a completely different place, so we're very grateful to have him on today. Let me tell y'all a little bit more about Danny. Danny is a search engine optimization specialist, also someone who, as we know, for those of us who may not be familiar with that term, he works in marketing, and he works remotely for Transcat Collaboration. He's currently based out of Edmond, Oklahoma, and actually will be moving to Florida in just a few weeks. So we caught him before he changed time zones once again. And he's getting married to his amazing wife, Elizabeth, at the end of June of this year, which is very incredible. You have to tell us about that. Um, And in no particular order, Danny's passions are ultimate frisbee, lifting, rock climbing, anime, spending time with his future wife, and his pets. Welcome, Danny. Hey, I was going to say thanks for having me again, but that feels... <laughs> you can do it again. You're like, double thank you for having me. Yeah, so much thanks. <laughs> yes, and I'm so glad you could be on here. So y'all, Danny has been in a way a part of this podcast creation since its inception, truly. Uh, Josh and Danny have been friends for some time, and we're spending some time together right when the pandemic hit, I feel like, because Ultimate Frisbee was kind of taken away. So there was some spending time like one-on-one out playing in the fields because it was a little safer. And so um, when we started the podcast, Josh definitely turned to Danny to like listen to the episodes a lot (laughs) before we sent them out or to get feedback. And it was really helpful. So Danny has been truly a part of the I've Been Better family for some time in the background. And now he gets to be front and center. Last episode of season six. Yeah, I mean, uh, just you know, with the pandemic and everything, uh, you all starting this new project. I think Josh was looking for some feedback, and I'm as subtle as a brick sometimes. So, <laughs> I think I was one of the few that wasn't just like, "Hey, this is amazing, ten out of 10. It was just like, maybe this could do it. I don't yes. know, for some genuine feedback. So maybe that was 
what I brought to the table or I was just being I think a dick. you did. <laughs> well, you also brought this perspective because you're right. This is a podcast that is not for everyone. This material, this topic, you know, not everyone gets on podcasts to hear other people's stories. There's true crime. There's um, sci-fi. There's, you know, these podcasts from NPR. There's, you know, finance. There's all this other stuff you can hear on podcasts and not everyone wants to hear this stuff, which is totally fine. And so I feel like, Danny, you are a very unbiased, like, third-party perspective mm-hmm. for us as someone who you were like, yeah, you know, I dabble in this area and this would not be, like, a natural thing for me to reach for on a podcast platform yeah well i actually have to give y'all some credit too for a completely different situation this kind of bleeds into my story a little bit too yeah. so um did, i'm getting married at the end of june um and my fiance and i were required to do marriage counseling we're getting married yeah. in south carolina because okay um, that's where her mom currently lives, and she's setting the whole thing up. So the minimum we could do is just, you know, actually go to the state where and she lives. And also, happy Mother's Day to her mom, then yeah, to all these shout other moms. Out, shout out to Catherine. Yep. Um, but yeah, so yeah, at first I was the whole situation. I was kind of pissed off because like I'm spending a thousand dollars to go fly. I'm doing like marriage prep thing, which it's at a church. Neither one of us is religious, but we're trying to make family happy. Okay, what and religion is it that we're subscribing to? Uh. This basic Presbyterian, I, I, okay. I, I, yeah. So we're not like hard Catholic. No, that's not no, what we're doing. Well, okay. Yeah, the and I was going into it thinking it was going to be like rough, just because again the religion aspect of it was kind of daunting. Thinking it's like yeah. you know, there's you, your partner, and Jesus Christ, and it's like no, <laughs> I've never done You're that like, in my no, life. No, no, no. Yeah, but it was mind blowing, and uh, just because it was maybe just a church itself has dealt with real world people at this point but there's a gay couple there there's a disabled couple there's all walks of life of people and it was very much so like genuine counseling and it was one of those things that was like a catalyst to reach out to you regarding to this is like oh shit like i thought this was going to be kind of worthless not that i thought therapy itself was bad but i just didn't understand the impact of it Right, like, for what you needed it for. It, like, didn't make a lot of sense, yeah. Because I went into the situation with Elizabeth, and, like, I didn't feel bad about how we were relationship-wise, but I knew there was one or two things under the surface that we hadn't talked about, probably with, like, everyone for the most part. Sure, sure. we uncovered those things, and we got tools to address them. And then we also made, like, even a greater realization. is like, we don't necessarily have the answers to solve this current problem. And it's like, this might be something that we have to figure out down the road. And it's like, yeah. oh, okay. maybe. Like, this oh, that's is... why we do this. Yeah, right, so we yeah. don't end up married for three years and realize there's a skeleton in someone's closet that I actually don't know if I can deal with. Yeah, so, th- I mean, that's truly, y'all were, like, a catalyst to, like, okay, Aww. maybe, like therapy for like either couples counseling or just individual for both of us in the future is like something we should look into and we we are after we move we're gonna figure that out oh i love that so much that's amazing it makes my heart smile very big that's awesome i mean i feel you on the hesitancy around traditional religious premarital counseling i think there's reasonable hesitation because it's not always done in the most proper and supportive way but it sounds like the place y'all went was pretty legitimate and you actually had some 
solid foundation in therapy. It wasn't just based on religious text about yeah. how you should be marriage. Yeah. Poop, yeah, I'm sorry, it, be in a marriage. Yeah, it was a licensed therapist came in and she kind of blew my mind because she she's like the first two minutes she opened with is like hi I'm, I can't even remember her name but like I'm yeah. I'm Betty and uh, I'm divorced and like oh my god I've been remarried so I have experience in hard relationships and it's like holy shit you're like <laughs> solid cool. opener okay. I am yeah. listening <laughs> I am now hooked thank you because what did you tell me before we even started recording we were talking about some changes we've made in the podcast over the last six seasons hopefully for the better and Danny was like yeah you know we appreciate the the authenticness of it or mm-hmm. being more real natural conversations and it sounds like this therapist as we're going to call her therapist Betty was very authentic and real you're like oh shit she's a real person right. been through some real stuff she's not pretending that she's never had any problems in a marriage and that she's perfect and that divorce never happens yada yada yeah and i mean it was nice just talking to her just because doing i mean obviously i love elizabeth a lot but doing these moves it hasn't been easy on either one of us and it's no and yeah it, tell us a little bit more about that if you feel comfortable diving in so yeah. we, you know i, I kind of told people where you were at right now with just a little bit about yourself but yeah dive into like now how did you and elizabeth end up where you are what does she do what do you what have you done tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so i guess background would be good so elizabeth and i semi knew each other in college mm-hmm. um she also played ultimate frisbee and i played ultimate frisbee but we played at different schools um and the long story short of it is we reconnected at a football game by chance and i got her number and she was still in doing vet school in starkville and i lived in memphis tennessee which is about oh, wow. a three-hour drive from each other okay so we re- we did long distance for about I think a year and a half, maybe two years. I can't remember on the top of my... I think it was a year. Um, just throwing out random numbers. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, COVID threw yeah. all of their timelines off yeah. anyway. So right, right. pre-COVID, I'm guessing, yes, the two of you met each other. Right, again. yeah. This was like four or five years ago at this point. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, and she was really straight up with me in regards to like, hey, like, I'm exploring this equine thing, which is she wants to be a horse surgeon. It's what that means um and like equine thing equals horse surgery yeah (laughs) and it's like i don't know how hard this will be this could be something where i knock it out of the park like first try and i'm in this program within like the first few years or it could be something where it's a grind and it's gonna be hard and we're gonna move a lot and it's like oh and this was like she was straightforward in like the first i think month of us genuinely talking to each other and it was a situation of like, okay, yeah, I mean, whatever, it'll be fine. But then, like, when you're genuinely into that situation, not again, I don't regret it. I, I'm marrying the woman, so I clearly love her. But it's just <laughs> clearly it worked out yeah. for the the better, yeah. But it's uh, a situation just because I've the way it works is she's been knocking out these internships, um, hoping to essentially match residency wise after the internship and it's kind of similar to applying for a job but it's a little more complicated than that um but if you don't match with a residency you can either pick up another internship or find something else yeah which kind of delays like the end of it right like if you don't get a residency does it delay right right so we've been she just matched um in florida after like three years of doing residency so 
we moved from she was in Starkville, I was in Memphis, and she moved to North Carolina, which is where I met Josh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were there for a year, and then we moved to Illinois, been there for a year. We've been in Oklahoma, been here for a year, and now we're going to move to Gainesville, and we're going to be there for four years. Have you learned how to pack really well? Dude, fuck moving. Moving fucking <laughs> blows, dude. We need to invent teleportation real fast for this exact reason. I don't even necessarily care about the act of like getting in a car and driving at this point like sure i'm I'm just so used to it is all like dealing with moving companies i would rather walk in the fucking traffic (laughs) yeah and they're awful especially cross-country ones Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is uh if they're all in like umbrella company together but i swear i give one person my information and then i'm getting like 25 different calls and then it's like oh well that last call actually had a decent quote to it it's like it's so much effort and yeah moving close (laughs) is it almost worth to just start over everywhere you go like to leave your shit and start over again every time i mean like at this point we're like better about it but after when we moved to illinois to oklahoma i was like throwing away life possessions there's <laughs> this like social security guard fuck it i don't, don't i don't it. care childhood beanie baby forget it yeah, we don't need like, any of this <laughs> i just at this point like we have 20 or 30 boxes not unpacked still i mean obviously we are moving again but they've never been unpacked from a previous move and it's just like i think i have 10 shirts that i regularly wear yeah uh, oh, it'll wor- teach you what you need real right. quick. Yeah. I mean, it, it's ultimately, I'm wearing the same five outfits <laughs> <laughs> and just knocking out laundry regularly. Yep. yep. It keeps you, right. It keeps you on top of that household responsibility, right? You're like, actually, this is better if I don't have a lot of clothes. Yeah. That is awful. You know, I know someone who moved from Oklahoma to Ra- to Raleigh area, like the Triangle. Mm-hmm. This was probably five years ago now. Maybe, maybe four no five and the point being the company was corrupt and kept their belongings until they would pay them like this exorbitant amount of money that's so fun. some of those companies are terrifyingly corrupt yeah and elizabeth has some like bad path love with some moving companies just because when she was a kid she used like two men in a truck sorry you won't get that sponsorship um, yeah nope sorry yeah, we won't take it they apparently like stole kind of similar situation ultimately yeah. it's like they stole a bunch of stuff and like a bunch of it was damaged and they they didn't really have an opportunity to like get like fix the situation so yeah and what do you do at that point right if someone's like holding your belongings hostage mm-hmm. you're gonna want your stuff back and then if you go to court i mean it becomes they know what they're doing they know what they're doing they know how to get with what they immediately want out of you which is typically money right. and you want your stuff so it works right. which is very scary yeah i don't ever want to have to experience that i moved across the country when i was very little um, i actually moved from illinois to north carolina and i don't recall what happened with that i was nine so i honestly have no idea you didn't drive the car huh? <laughs> you didn't drive the car <laughs> no, no i didn't drive it i do remember a u-haul but like i don't know if that was where all of our stuff was or if our stuff was being moved by a company like i couldn't tell you any of that so hopefully it all went well <laughs> yes oh i feel for y'all so the residency for your fiance elizabeth's in florida so you'll be heading there next mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about you like where are you from how did you end up in Tennessee when the two of you reconnected? Yeah, so I grew up in Memphis, essentially. Um, yeah. 
my parents had moved all over the place um but when i was born um i think they finally started to slow down my dad was in a company called square d Mm -mm. i truly have no idea if they're still around but they were pretty big so i imagine they are um what they do they sold shit. <laughs> they sold <laughs> I, shit. I, I couldn't really tell you <clears> on the top of my head. Um, but yeah, we moved to Memphis when I was like four. And uh, background about me is I am actually diagnosed with autism. Um, a lot of people don't recognize that about me at first, but there has been a lot of work done by specialist and my parents have worked with me a lot um and for the most part like socially it doesn't show too much the biggest thing is kind of in regards to um any like learning disability stuff comes mm. up like it takes mm-hmm. it definitely takes me an extra amount of time to like really let something sink in and i've just sure. learned that about myself that's pretty fascinating yeah how old were you uh when i was diagnosed yeah i was two yeah, so you were like the early diagnosis, so there were some signs that they could tell. But as, right. as you were saying, for, for people who maybe not not as aware, not in the realm of neurodiversity, you would not present in what we believe is like the stereotypical mm-hmm. autism diagnosis as an adult. Right, yeah. So, it, this is actually a shout out to North Carolina. Um, autism, at least from my understanding at that time, there was no really separation from it and mental retardation. Right. And so when I was, I'd lived in North Carolina as like, I'm trying to get my blueprint. Right. So I was born in Illinois, moved to North Carolina, moved to Memphis. And I was okay. full, like, I was a baby in Illinois and then lived for four years in North Carolina, then moved to Memphis. <laughs> okay. okay. Sorry. Timeline-wise, that's a little confusing. No, that's helpful. You've been um, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I started sewing signs when I was two. Um, and I think I was brought to various places in North Carolina, and I was diagnosed, I think at the time, as re- mentally retarded, um, which that's so scary that literally only 20 something years ago like that was a diagnosis yeah um and it it was a situation where i never really explored it in regards to reading the medical literature on it like until the last few years and my mom Mm -hmm. sent me kind of a blueprint of everything i was diagnosed with and at first i was really curious about it and then i started reading it and i was like I don't know if I necessarily want this. Like, Is this helpful yeah, to look at? I think it was one of those situations where it's just like, oh, I'm just going to like really shit on myself if I yeah. see you that doctor. You might really doctors. change how you see yourself. Right. Like you might internalize what you read. Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, uh, I was di- in like, in some ways it does show with me as an adult. And like, I don't know. I, I've, as I said, I am kind of, like, as subtle as a brick, and that isn't just because, like, my personality. It's just, yeah. like, sometimes I don't get how to not do that. Yeah. Um, but what was my point of this uh, was, yeah. And so I started showing signs when I was two, and ever since then, um, 
I got a lot of support for it and went to private schools as a kid, speech therapy, the whole works. And it worked out for a long time. I struggled a lot in public schools. I I did a private school until I was about like 13. And then I went to a public school. Um, And the format between the private school and the public school were so different in regards to like the way the education was taught, working with teachers themselves. This, because the private school itself is a Montessori school. And if you're not familiar, it's almost as if, like, you're permanently doing, like, private tutoring. It was a group of, like, eight kids working with, like, one teacher who essentially is just rounded. And, um, yeah, and so ultimately it's a lot of like it's a lot of one independent of, learning with Montessori yeah right. or yeah. yeah and so they would give you the tools to like you know be your own catalyst in learning and sometimes yeah. that was successful sometimes it wasn't for me it worked out fine but for public school it's a completely different system because it's ultimately you're checking boxes right it's like yeah there's you, state requirements for how you have to add and if you're not adding the way that the state was teaching you, you are now considered a failure. Right. And so, uh, I don't, like, I wasn't dumb. I, I'm not dumb. But, like, I, I just didn't know how to, like, play the game, ultimately. Yeah. And so, Absolutely. Uh, uh, college, like, education, just in, a, like, a general sense for a long time, this sucked from that point. And so, uh I almost failed out of college, but hmm. managed to get out. And then I started working at a company, actually doing graphic design for them, and slowly shifted into um, SEO because it was a comp- it was a small IT company um, that had like ten people, and they wanted to work with an e-commerce website, which is a website that sells shit, is ultimately what <laughs> e-commerce means. Um, and uh, so. They just they didn't have any information about how to go about that, so I just taught myself as what all that that's meant. That's amazing. And then I that, love that. yeah, that's how I landed my job in North Carolina, and that's how I've landed my job everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, are you following the same job? Are you just working remotely, as you had said, or have you had to change jobs yet? What so this is yeah that that was one of the biggest challenges because uh, my resume looks so sketchy for a hot minute. Um, it's I moved, I did. I worked at one company for like two and a half years, almost three. And then I worked at North Carolina for a year and I couldn't find a remote job. So I found another job in Illinois, worked there for like six months. And then a friend referred me to a remote job. But it was one of those situations where if I didn't, like I, applying for this job that I currently have, the person told me is like, you're kind of a red flag and it's like i don't blame you i look like yeah it looks like i'm just job hopping you know (laughs) like i don't mean to i promise it's not my fault (laughs) i mean you know i I, blessing and the curse of covid for many reasons but it was a good uh excuse to be like covid and everyone's like oh okay it's like i don't have to go any deeper into that sick (laughs) correct yeah absolutely well and like you said you weren't necessarily like fired for doing something wrong which is why you were leaving companies. Right, right, yeah. yeah. It was just personal life. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like nowadays too, especially in our generational of you know, developmental stage of life, most people don't stay at jobs longer than a year, and especially if there's a better opportunity and people move all the time. Like, I don't feel like that's that unusual anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if you can't work remote for said company. Yeah, well, the, working at Transcat, um, 
they've been super great with the remote stuff. I don't even necessarily have to be like a hard nine to fiver with them. They're just like, as long as it gets done, we don't give a shit. So they've been great. There you go. That's what you need. That sounds like that works so much better with how you may operate professionally. Yeah. You know, and and I don't want to speak for you. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And I really appreciate you, Danny, owning the fact that you've been diagnosed with autism. And can I ask you how you identify? So do you do you prefer to say like I have autism? Like are you person first or are you saying like I'm autistic? Uh have you ever thought about it? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh I just haven't necessarily put that much weight into the Yeah. Um for the most part the major people who know like if I'm putting stuff down on paper, like I just don't tell them I'm autistic. Like I'm I don't have Well, to. as you said, it doesn't really inhibit your ability to do many things. It's not necessary information. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I think for the most part, if we're breaking it down by like verbiage, I just say I have autism. Okay. So person first is what I hear from that then is that you're like, I am Danny and I have this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. There is a lot of movement in the neurodiversity community around individuals with autism, whether they prefer to go by person first or they identify as autistic. Um, A lot of people, I think with the stigma hopefully lessening, the farther we progress in this research to what autism is and being neurodivergent, people are embracing it a little more now and really owning that. Because as you said, you know, it's not necessarily something you, you know, I've heard a parent say before, like, I hope my child can overcome autism Mm -hmm. and the way we look at is that it shouldn't really be a hindrance we as a society should learn how to operate with people whose brains work differently than the norm Mm -hmm. and we really shouldn't be telling them to overcome something that shouldn't be you know a problem and so there's some movement towards i would say majority of the people we see now don't use person first in the autism community they tend to say like i am autistic because it you know at least sets the stage where like you're gonna learn how to talk to me i shouldn't have to change myself to learn how to live in this world that doesn't really support people with autism Mm -hmm. we talk about it a lot with adhd too you know like both of those neurodiversity camps um that's a lot so i think that that's awesome that your family clearly found a lot of support for you growing up and oh my gosh yeah we we could have a whole other episode about the difference between public and private schools and the lack of support there for people who happen to think and learn differently so yeah (laughs) Yeah, public schools, unfortunately, don't have the resources to support people that are not, quote unquote, the norm, which is awful. Um, I I can imagine that for sure. When you moved to Memphis, do you remember, you said you were four, so like you don't have many memories of North Carolina? Okay. But then you came back. You came back here. Yeah, I came back back for a year. It was good. I mean, I missed North Carolina. As we talked about earlier, there was some hope that we were going to come back, but um, the residency stuff, we unfortunately it didn't work out that way but yeah one day hopefully we, one day. we talk about after we knock everything out in Gainesville that that uh Raleigh might be where we end up so that'd be awesome well we're not going anywhere so <laughs> we'll be right here when you guys get back Perfect. and we're shooting for a home in the near future hopefully fingers crossed mm-hmm. and blessings of all ancestors uh to get a guest room in the next home so y'all can <laughs> stay if you ever want to come up here um so y'all are getting married in June, just did marriage counseling. That's pretty incredible that y'all had to fly. I guess to do it in person isn't that unusual, but that is really awesome that you did that. Yeah, they, well, it's <laughs> full transparency. We were like, can we fucking not? Yeah, <laughs> they were like, we no, rather do you, this you virtually? <laughs> yeah. And they're, I mean, you know, again, I was super grumpy just again because I'm dropping 
fat money on a wedding and then fat money on um, marriage counseling at the time <laughs> I didn't think was necessary. And then there's, yeah. it worked out. Good. And you had said this was more to appease family. It sounds like Elizabeth's family. Yes. The church stuff. Uh, most I, I think my family also appreciated it. Oh, good. But I, I just... Okay. I don't necessarily put as much weight into my family. <laughs> yeah, not, you're like, they'll anything, be fine. Yeah, it's not anything like, they suck. It's just like, they suck. I, I, I just don't care religious-wise as much as what they think. And I know yeah. it's truly, like, I think it's 100% mostly for Elizabeth's grandmother, who's, like, oh, yeah. very religious and devout. So we just wanted yeah. to make sure we're not burning in hell in her eyes. <laughs> 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 the things we do for our grandparents, right, and our extended family, mm-hmm. especially on the in terms of a wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, will say that they did all these things and that it wasn't for them. It was for their parents and their family to condone this wedding. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, you let you lend it a little bit to what it's been like to be moving all over the place. And truly I yeah, someone who only moved this one large move and then moved to college and then never left again. I can only imagine what that's like to have been in this, I'm going to use the word prime, but people can take or leave that term if it doesn't apply to them, but to be moving every single year, mm-hmm. you know, like going with this person. And as you said, Elizabeth was very upfront, which I, I you know, that's amazing. That's great for her. You know, I, I applaud her for that and because I can imagine many people would have walked away from a relationship that was going to need to be so unstable is the word I want to use, but not the relationship. Like where you live is unstable and your future is like unpredictable. Right. So jumping into a relationship, I was like 24, 25. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I will always give Elizabeth credit for is she's been pursuing this dream for so long. And it, I mean, that in itself is so attractive to like maintain a relationship with this type of person is they're driven they want to go for something that's really hard and it yeah i mean you kind (laughs) of it's like any stage of life after you've done it's like oh shit that was kind of like an ordeal and you don't necessarily realize it until afterwards and it's one of those situations where, like, I'm going to say it's one of those situations, like, like nine different times, so I apologize. Per- that'll be our key phrase yeah, uh, of this episode. It's the one of those situations. Wait. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, after everything occurs, you realize it's like, oh, that year is kind of just gone, though. Like, North Carolina... I've made friends and I have good connections there, but for Illinois, like COVID kind of spiked up again. Um, I yeah, because when did you go? It was twenty, the end of twenty twenty or twenty twenty one when you went to Illinois. So COVID just started mid North Carolina live, which I think was like two thousand nineteen ish. Yeah, so we were to March twenty twenty was like when it full blown hit. Because I don't think I had met you until right after that. Because that's when like everything was outside. We were okay, like eating yeah. lunch outside. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we did North Carolina for like 2019, 2020, and mm-hmm. so we moved to Illinois, and like I had all these memories. Like I had great memories with Josh. I played on the ultimate frisbee team out there. I met a bunch of other people, and likewise with Elizabeth. I mean, her job's really hard, but she, for the most part, had a positive experience. But. Um, with Illinois, uh, like truly, it 
is just like a year that is gone. Like we met people, but you know, just because of the situation, <laughs> damn it, just because uh, of <laughs> I'm gonna the, start keeping a tally. Yeah, right. Every time, uh, you understand that, like, okay, I can meet up with these people, but is like I only get to know people about like six or seven months into the place, yeah. and do you I almost can't... like catch yourself not wanting to invest? in them as much because you know you're going to leave or is it like this tug and pull where you're like I want to emotionally invest in these people I want to make friends but then I know I'm going to have to deal with the downfall of that relationship ending very quickly in Illinois I didn't think about it as much truly because of COVID and like yeah. I was so isolated that when I finally had the opportunity to hang out with people, I was like, I don't, you could be a fucking dog. I don't care. <laughs> like, be my friend. As Please. long as you acknowledge me for like a minute and I can get that like a brain rush, whatever you need, uh, yeah. I'm good. But with Oklahoma, it definitely has, because we, where we currently live, we live 30 minutes away from everything. And so everything's an effort. If I want to hang out with somebody, it's like 30 minutes to 45 minutes to go drive. If I want to go to the gym, it's 35, 45 minutes of a drive. Grocery was that intentional? Like yeah, like what, what was that about? We have to be so close to Elizabeth's work because she's on call. And so that's the situation. And she deals with horses. So we're typically in a rural area. God, that, that makes more sense. Yeah, when you're in Oklahoma, I mean, there's so much land. You know, yeah. I've never been to downtown Oklahoma per se, but I can imagine that's very different than where you're living. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I am friendly. I'm happy to hang out with people. But for the most part, is I, I understand when I move from here, I'm, there's like a 99.9% .9 chance I'm never going to talk to anybody that like I've met here. Unless like, yeah. I mean, Frisbee is a small world. So like I'll see people at like tournaments or something like that every mm -hmm. now and then. Mm -hmm. But I can't. I mean, I'm moving to fucking Florida. It's 18 yeah. hours away. I'm not going to see these people. <laughs> right. Well, as you said, you also haven't been given the same amount of opportunities as you had in like Illinois, North Carolina to invest in these friendships. It's so much more isolated in Oklahoma. You're there for such a short amount of time and you know what's coming. You're moving again. Right. So like reasonably so, we distance ourselves because right. now we're preparing to start this other life in this journey. And that would be exhausting. I mean, think if you made three friends everywhere you've lived plus your own friends that you had pre-move maybe like right when you elizabeth met how do you keep up with that many friends mm -hmm. yeah. it's exhausting right and then, and then none of them live in the same place i mean that sounds like you know i can don't have words for that i mean i don't even know how that would happen we've all got friends that live in other states but we had a foundational like friendship i feel like before you leave that mm -hmm. keeps the friendship going and you have to have stuff to connect on like you said frisbee okay i'll see them but probably nobody else mm -hmm. yeah and yeah, I, I, the first word that came to mind is I cheat, which is kind of fucked up. But like, I have friends that I play video games with, and they like they scratch that itch of like social yeah. need, and it's like okay, yeah. well, I could kill myself trying to hang out with people that I don't really know, or I could play video games with the people that I've known my entire life. So. Yeah. And have some me. foundational, <laughs> yeah, exactly, have some foundational relationship with, I don't view that as cheating, but I see how, why you'd pick that word, because it feels like it's cheating. You're like, oh, I'm not seeing them in person, I'm not going out. Right. It's like a very quick fix to yeah. that emotional social need. Yeah. And like, yeah. ultimately, it is one of those things where like, okay, I'm done doing that, and I'm still like, kind of depressed because I've been inside for like four days. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't left my room in t two weeks because yeah. all my friends are online. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm right there, you just 
supported, you know, this evidence that we have that that connection is so necessary and online connection is okay, right? It gets gets us by, mm-hmm. but it's still sometimes not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to go out. You got to see people. And th- it takes a certain level of effort too. You know, I think it's pretty incredible and that's just my terminology here, but that you and Josh have maintained a close relationship. You have Frisbee, you have other things to connect on, this podcast, other things that y'all talk about, but it would have been so easy to not talk to this person ever again. Yeah. I mean, again, like, just again, like, video games kind of let me cheat with Josh a little bit, just because yeah. I, I have, I've had a good friendship with him for a while. It, it's very easy to talk to type of person, and so it, it, I don't necessarily have to check in with Josh, like, every month, but, like, yeah. when I talk to him, like, two months or three months down the road it's very like okay what's up and we talk for like an hour or two and then we're good it's like nothing's changed right Right. yeah yeah and sometimes you those are the friends i'll I'll scratch this sometimes what i've found is that those are the types of connections with people that can sustain distance Mm -hmm. those are the ones that when you move far away you need to be able to pick up the phone after two months and like reconnect with them very easily if it becomes difficult it's a lot harder to maintain that friendship Mm mm-hmm yeah what has that been like for you in regards to your partner is the reason why you're moving all the time so i've had like so many different perspectives on it you know at times where it's just like you know it's just it's just a thing we're doing and we're gonna power through it and then sometimes it's frustrating where it's just like why did i sign up for this mm-hmm. like I knew she was straightforward, but I didn't know, you know, I How didn't could know, you? know right? Someone could tell you, like, I'm going to get cancer when I'm 42, and you'd be like, great, I'm in. Right. And then it happens, and you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> why did I sign up for this? And then, yeah, and some with her work, there's, it's challenging on her in so many ways, um, just because she'll be on call, and she, it isn't a consistency with her work. I think that's one thing I don't really echo that's very hard to understand for some people is that Mm -hmm. every three to four weeks her work kind of completely shifts into like a different type of program that she's Mm. doing and so this week or this two or three weeks that she's working she's doing anesthesia and so that's pretty easy for her um she doesn't regularly get called in and so she'll go in she essentially works every day but she'll work like three or four hours and then like for the most part she's good for the day but then she'll rotate into something else such as i can't even think of another job but essentially like hands on deck for surgeries and she'll work like four to five days working like 16 hour days consistently and she'll she'll come home and sleep and then go back out and Mm -hmm. that's challenging on both of us just because she doesn't get to see me, and when she does get to see me, I don't know which necessarily, like, for lack of a better word, what type of mask she's going to be wearing of, like, yeah. I'm exhausted, or I'm pissed, or I'm just happy to be home. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it's so unpredictable. As right. you had said, there's no consistency of necessarily what Elizabeth you'll get, because it's so dependent on things outside of Elizabeth's control. Right. And so, that's... At the times where, like, we're mad at each other, that's when it's, like bro what the fuck am i doing with my life mm-hmm. but then it, it's also just recognizing it's like what just in life in general it's just like we are playing for the long game here right like yeah. 
it's hard now it's going to be hard in the future but we at the end of the tunnel there is an eventual light <laughs> yeah and i mean it sounds like you said you still felt at some point you know even through all this i'm not sure exactly when you and elizabeth got engaged but it sounds like you were able to see the long road like yeah. you were able to see to the end of it and be like okay we're gonna have a miserable couple months but that's not worth leaving right because of that and i think just because of both of our backgrounds with like family stuff like the way i would sum up my family is uh i don't know if you're familiar with this guy norm mcdonald he's a comedian or was a comedian he he died of prostate cancer and the reason i bring him up is because he died without telling anybody about his prostate cancer and that's how my family essentially would operate is like oh i'm dying or so upset you won't know for fucking years bro (laughs) i'm gonna hold that and it's gonna seed until i explode it's like very irish catholic it'd be like i get sad (laughs) and then i die the gallagher we should have known yes yeah and with elizabeth's side of family stuff it's just like she's had a very complicated like family dynamic with her parents and so there's a lot of volatility there and at times it comes out in her and so we've had the balance uh, navigating each other's languages in a lot of ways just because I've tried to be better about like not emulating what my parents have done of like bury it and die with it and so I've tried to be verbal with her and then at times she's just over communicative and so I think it, it's a back and forth of trying to make sure we're not overstimulating each other mm-hmm well, I love that you bring up this generational patterns of behavior of how we deal with emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your family is, uh, I'll use the words, right? Like a little passive aggressive. We're not going to tell you how we feel. We really hope you will interpret it. And then if you don't, we're just going to sit on it for years and years and years and then throw it in your face later. Right. 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 And, and hers has, has her own set of set of issues as well. And so you two are carrying both of that and then coming in together in a whole different dynamic where to the you said it earlier like the two of you are very isolated how have the two of you been able to like lean on each other through these toxic work environments and having to move away from your families and having to move away from your friends all the time i think you know as you said the isolation in itself is one of those things where for couples you obviously learn it's like oh this is gonna work or we're gonna break up and Oh, COVID was like a real eye-opener for most couples, right? Right, Could you stand being together with just the two of you locked in your house for three months, or do you want to kill each other? And when we did long distance, we would essentially live with each other for the weekend, right? And we thought we had a general idea of how, like, each other worked, and then you move in with each other, and it's like, okay, I'm getting the whole gambit (laughs) of everything. Yeah, y'all take that for what Danny just said. Going to see someone on a weekend, multiple weekends in a row for long distance, is not the same as living with somebody full-time it is not you pick up on all the small things and whether it's like oh they don't do their dishes okay or like oh uh they like it when i am not a caveman and put the seat down after i'm done or something like that it's so true i mean you're on a honeymoon phase right when you go visit for the weekend right because even whether it's subconscious or conscious, you know you're going to have the whole week without that person, right? Yeah. So it's so different. And then you have been together and you're like, oh, they actually don't do their laundry for three weeks. And they like wear their underwear inside out three times. And you're like, oh my God, how did I not know this about this person? <laughs> how do you know that about me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's so true. But going back to your original question of like how we figure it all out is I think we've we've just had to have real honest conversations with each other. This is the type of stuff where you're looking each other in the eye and like having a hard 20 minute conversation of like, this is how I interpret this situation. And this is how I see change. Does that change work for us? And it's like either a yes or a no. And if it's a no, it's like, how do we make it work then? Yeah. I love that so much. This is how I'm interpreting what's going on. This is how I need it to change. Does that work for you? Yeah. I mean, I think even those three sentences are so incredible. Most people don't say that to each other. What do they say? You are stomping around the house and it's upsetting me and I need you to stop doing that. Like we don't ever present it typically, at least we're not taught on, on the front end typically to like go to someone with these really hard, vulnerable conversations and be like, look, whether or not you mean you're meaning to, this is how your behavior is impacting me. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, Reminded me of our argument, one of our bigger arguments that got brought up once, and it was, I just, Elizabeth was cleaning up around the house in the way I thought she was, like, putting things away. It felt passive-aggressive to me. Like, slamming stuff. Right, like, Very right. intentional. And yeah. I think it, she was just doing it with a lot of agency, like, she was just trying to <laughs> knock it out. She's like, I am busy. I have motivation. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I interpreted, like, you know, she's telling me i need to be cleaning up i need to be doing this Uh and like as she kept doing it i was just getting more and more pissed and then like fine like she picked up something she asked something about like can you pick this up whenever you get a chance and i just exploded (laughs) and i was like what the fuck you're being such an asshole and she was like what (laughs) yeah she was completely off guard and i was like oh I'm the asshole, and I just right. <laughs> I didn't just, I couldn't just be a human for like two seconds and talk to her. And well, you I mean I'm laughing because it's so real. All of us are like, "Yup." Anyone mm-hmm. in a relationship of any kind is like, "Yup." I've been there. I've been there. I, yeah, and that, I think that's just the like we've just figured it out. I, I'm not saying like we're killing it in the relationship game and we're like we're constantly <laughs> high fiving and banging or something like that. <laughs> but like I I, th- I think we're just we. We figured out that, like, okay, if we're upset, we need to talk. And if we're, like, really upset, let's just give each other, like, a breather and realize that five minutes from now, this might not even be a big deal. And if it is still a big deal, then, like, we'll figure it out because we've always figured it out. Yeah, We'll talk about it. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to be solved right in this minute where I'm so angry I could explode because that's not going to be effective either Mm -hmm. and you know what did you just just describe which i hope i don't hope but i'm sure many people could relate to you about the cleaning if you live with a significant other what what that sounds like is that you were projecting what you thought she would interpret because it sounds like you didn't feel like you were doing enough Mm -hmm. and so you see her you know running around cleaning and so then you get this thought that she's subtly trying to communicate this to you in a way that you have to interpret and you're getting really mad like you said at nothing but yourself. Right. And then what we do is we project it onto the other person. And we're like, how dare you shove in my face that I'm not cleaning? And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, right. If you want to clean, clean then. Like, that's not my problem. Um, but we all do that. We all do that. And as you said, what you watch and what you watched and were conditioned to view for your own family, we let it build and build and build. But you've learned now that that doesn't work for you, Elizabeth. You got to talk about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head of like, 
family conditioning is like that's how it was. It's like my parent, yeah. my mom would walk in my room and just start picking shit up and be like, oh, I'm in trouble. Got it. Okay, yeah. cool. You learn to interpret. <laughs> exactly. So what do you do? You solve that behavior and then you take it to your own relationship and then we we imply the same exact view or perspective to that relationship, even though it's totally different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can totally talk to Josh about that. I've done that so many times. I like one time was trimming our, the rose bush, which we've now had to destroy because it got rose rosette disease. So this is like even more irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But I was trimming it. This was years ago now. And I, <laughs> I immediately assumed he was going to hate it and it was gonna tell me i did a bad job so he goes outside to look at it and he opens his mouth and i said i did the best i could and he was like i literally haven't said anything yet because <laughs> i was so ready for him to be like it sucks i'm mad about it like how could you do this and he was like i was gonna tell you it looks great but like i don't know what's going on with you so funny living with someone will truly test a lot of a lot of boundaries with somebody and a lot of of ways that you've learned to behave in a relationship. So it sounds like you and Elizabeth, through your own experiences, your own desire to stay together, and now couples counseling, pre premarital counseling before your marriage has really helped. Yeah, I mean, again, like I appreciate this podcast because this was a catalyst to therapy and things and an eye opener. Just this was a world I. I, I did again. I didn't really have anything against it. I just didn't know the value of stuff I would get out of it. I for the most part, you know. Yeah. Well, what did you just share with us? Whether it was, it was like implied that I can imagine your family never talked about therapy or this. No, (laughs) my God, no, they would never utter the word. So I love that. And I'm so grateful to hear that. And I'm really glad to hear that it's impacted someone in that way. What do you and Elizabeth do? And maybe you can just speak strictly to yourself here since this is about, about you, (laughs) but what do you, what do you do to take care of yourself? And like, how do you maintain what you do to take care of yourself when your environment is constantly changing? The best thing, like, it isn't, it hasn't been a perfect system. Like, yeah. there are swings of depression where things will come in. Just be, And I know the swing is coming in because I deviate away from a system. And, like, as <laughs> shitty as this is going to sound, it's like, you know, when they have in prison where it's just like, you need to have a day, you need to have a formula, you need to have a system of, like, how you run things. And, like, yep. as ridiculous as that mantra is applying it to, like, you know, obviously not the prison context, but, like, <laughs> having in your life, like, okay, I need to wake up, I need to tackle these chores so the house isn't falling apart, then I need to wake up and, like, work out. So that's my meditation, ultimately. And then I got to you know, focus for work for five to six hours and then I got to go take care of lunch or take care of groceries and having the system in place just so you at the end of the day have those boxes checked to be like, Mm -hmm. how am I feeling? I'm good. How's the house feeling? It's stable, good at the moment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then how's work? I I knocked out the things I wanted. And like, yeah, whenever I wake up, and if like, oh, I'm not feeling it today in regards to working out or, oh, I didn't pick up the house this morning. It, it's such a quick snowball effect of like, oh, I didn't pick out the, pick up the house today and now everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. It spirals so quickly. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. When you deviate from that structure, that routine, when, as you said, there's some dependability, I can imagine that if you maintain that routine for yourself, you know, you're like, okay, I know the house is good. I know I'm good. And I know work is stable. 
if I can keep up with this routine. There's a lot of evidence to support that. I mean, as you said, we know that's why it's applied to a prison system, also just for control in a prison system, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But also, <clears throat> sorry, in in our world, we need routine. And then the people who, what we found that benefit the most from routine sometimes buck routine. That idea of like being restricted to a routine to have to function really well is very frustrating yeah. for people. And then, yeah, you said, well, I've come to realize that when I do stop following my routine and my system and my structure, I don't feel great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's like one of the biggest challenges for Elizabeth is with her work, there's no routine for the most part. Like she's dealing with something like, different every three weeks so like the second you, she feels like she can breathe someone kicks her in the nuts <laughs> and yeah says, literally deal with like, this. here you go yeah 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 i can't imagine and that sounds like that's just how her program is structured mm-hmm. like this is the same for most people in yeah, this it, exact it, it, thing okay yeah, it's a it's a hard job vets, oh vets have yeah. hard lives <laughs> yeah well y'all if, if you're a vet out there know a vet please like encourage them to seek support mentally you know veterinarians are one of the top populations that take their lives on their own accord because suicide rates are so high in veterinarians because of this this lack of predictability structure routine the types of cases that they have to work with the public i mean it's surrounded by emergency and death and struggle and it's exhausting very they have very little support in the veterinarian world yeah and uh, yeah with her line of work too it's uh it's very dated isn't like the most appropriate word, but in regards to like taking time for yourself or mental health or like making sure someone isn't just being overworked, it is dated in that sense. Like, as I said earlier, for working like 16 hours for like four to five days. Yeah. They are at the service and the mercy of animals and people that own animals, whatever field they're in. And there's not enough of them. Mm-hmm. And so they're overworked, underpaid, undervalued. Yeah, and I think date is actually a, a probably a very appropriate term because we we have not shifted the idea of taking care of yourself and the need to have balance to that population or that profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a thought, and you can tell me if you feel like this is relevant. Want to share anything about it, or we can completely skip over. But do you feel as though jumping back a little bit with as you had said, you're as subtle as a brick. The idea of therapy was never brought up in your family dealing with all the, you know, oh God, what's the word I want? Just the different parts of a relationship and communicating and being vulnerable. Do you ever wonder if being neurodiverse in that way has limited you? And have you had to like seek more, like you said, research and education and skills to overcome any of that? Yeah. I don't want to use that word overcome um, to work with that. No, you're fine. Um, in some ways, yes. And I've just had to learn through, like, <laughs> I, I say I've been trained in other relationships to know how to be in a relationship, which is yeah. kind of shitting on my past relationships, but whatever. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they are, right? They're all learning experiences. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it was a situation where, like, and Elizabeth and I talk about it all the time, it's like, if we knew each other in college, we were, I mean, this is applicable to everybody, not just necessarily me per se, but, um, we would have been so very different people and like, and I didn't 
necessarily make the connections in college of like how my autism would impact my social awareness of some things but like seeing it in my relationship with elizabeth the biggest thing in regards to like what i have to overcome and and again the argument i brought up earlier is kind of a good example of like i i snapped like i don't snap i'm pretty chill to a fault but Mm -hmm. like i was pissed and i said some shitty things and it that's a side that I don't show 99.9% of my life. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, all the boxes were checked for like being triggered. And that's just one of the things of the autism stuff. It's like, I can't necessarily untick a box when it's been ticked and when everything's mm-hmm. been lined mm-hmm. up. Like, I turned but this into is a, a potential outcome right. due to these things yeah, yeah that i carry with me and it wasn't yeah. anything where like we got violent with each other but like i told her that like i think she, i told her it's like you are being a bitch and she's like i had i'm picking up your shit <laughs> and it's like right she's like oh. excuse me <laughs> yeah and then like 10 minutes later after like we talked about it i realized like okay like <laughs> i'm such a dickhead and uh, this is this a thing of like i gotta yeah. remember to be a human yeah but as you had said it ticked a lot of boxes for you that when you look at the bigger picture it made sense that you reacted that way and but it sounds like that's a difficult part of you it's a difficult part of yourself that you may struggle to embrace that like that's how you respond to stuff yeah i mean the biggest thing that i've had to learn about the autism is over communicating over under communicating and so mm-hmm maybe even to a fault now and that's why i said like i'm subtle as a brick is like i say kind of everything of what i'm feeling and talking about because if i don't i either look like a lunatic or like i'm interpreting something wrong yeah and it just it leads to more issues it sounds like whatever issue would come from over communicating is better than under communicating issues right, would yeah. be yeah if worse comes to yeah. worse i'm just annoying <laughs> <laughs> I'm an over communicator too, and I may not even be somebody who has the exact like neurodiversity, um, you know, as as someone else because I don't want to lump myself into that category. But yeah, I mean, I I think that's super reasonable, especially in a romantic, intimate partnership. Sometimes over communicating is the way to go. I mean, mm. it probably saves you guys so many misunderstandings that could lead to you saying things you would later wish you hadn't said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I I think the socio-emotional aspects of individuals with autism vary so much, but it sounds like, as you said, you were so supported as a young child that you were also able to have relationships that allowed you to test this stuff out. So when by the time you and Elizabeth had met, it's not like that was your first relationship you'd ever been in right. to learn from, which right. is great. And then you learned what works better for you now to be in a long-term healthy relationship. Right. There's this fiction book that absolutely like i do not want to condone as any form of like accuracy or um like legitimate research based on (laughs) autism but it is about an an autistic male finding a bride and they are they talk about it from like each perspective of like the future wife and the guy and 
how she's misinterpreting his behaviors because she doesn't know that he has autism until like later in the relationship. And then she also doesn't know what it means to be autistic. So like she doesn't understand that like he does love her, but how he shows love is very different. And all, you know, they talk about how mm-hmm. important it is to explain that up, up front if you know it about yourself, because then these like, mi- un- misunderstandings don't happen or can hopefully be avoided. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so cool to read a fiction love story like about that. I don't feel like we get a lot of those characters very often well i had to credit josh with this this because he was one of these guys of uh what is your love language and he'll, yeah josh, josh asks everybody this which is really funny yes. <laughs> i feel like. i love that you told me that because now i'm gonna make fun of him for it <laughs> no i think that that's fantastic look at him taking all the stuff we talk about and telling his friends yeah but it was one of those things that it did stick with me just because elizabeth and i have incredibly different love languages for the most part like my stuff is like acts of service so like i cook her meals or i'll take care of laundry or put away the dishes and then like hers is intimacy with and that was one of the things where i've had to learn to like figure it out a little bit um just because, like, I'm fine with being silly and, like, cuddling on the couch, but, like, one of the things is, like, oh, she's going to snuggle up on me all night? Fuck, no. <laughs> Get away from me, don't touch me. Yeah, but <laughs> it is also just recognizing, like, oh, she's having a rough day, so, like, like throw a hug, give a kiss, like, yeah. that. she needs that Can I more. offer a little bit of that physical touch to, right. you know, acknowledge her needs? Yeah. I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah, and your love languages can change too over time if you become more comfortable with someone God, I and hope needs not. change. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dialed in at this point. If search changes, I know I'm what fucked. she needs. You can't change. Um, yeah, we, I love that. I think that's really cool. I love to, I love that Josh just asks people, what's your love language? You said that's that at like Ultimate Frisbee one like there's twenty guys all sweaty and we're like in the middle of a practice. He's like, so like are you like a hugger? It's like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? <laughs> he's such a feely boy, whether he acknowledges it or not. No, I, I don't think he's as ever had a problem acknowledging it. <laughs> yes, he's our he's our feely friend for sure. He's and even perfect. if feely's not the right word, he is very touchy as a friend. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You always have to be aware that Josh is gonna playfully like slap you on a body part in public if you and if you don't like that you need to tell him up front very quickly (laughs) or he will touch you so you are playing ultimate frisbee where you are yes yeah so okay well elizabeth and i kind of joke about this but my four or three requirements of like moving for the most part like i want to be able to walk outside and go for a run like safely take our dog somewhere uh i want to be able to play ultimate semi-regularly and it, I need a gym that's close by. Right now, okay. I only have one of those, which is like, Oklahoma <laughs> fucking sucks. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, you told us the gym was like 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we essentially, we live in a rough neighborhood that has a lot of wandering dogs about. So, like, taking my dogs outside is such an effort. Like, yeah. I, I have to drive or go. Or right now, we've been kind of shitty and just letting them go hardcore in our backyard we have a decent sized backyard so like it works out but yeah. um yeah uh well, still playing ultimate frisbee i'm super grateful for having ultimate in my life just because 
uh being someone i'm 30 now and i've never really had the problem of like how do i meet friends it's like i'm gonna go (laughs) where are the people yeah and like we for a bare minimum will have ultimate in common and like for the most part i think i'm funny and so like that helps like connect with people yeah absolutely you got a good sense of humor which is nice to connect with people on yeah and you have two dogs now i think when i met you you only had the one yeah we have two dogs we have a uh a mutt border collie looking thing and then um we got a his i think he his he looks like a dog breed that i just googled the other day because it sounded more pet friendly i think it's like a shuffy a sheevy but essentially looks like a golden and a lab mixed together Ooh. yeah yeah he they're both like 45 50 pound medium-sized dogs they're both very sweet yeah. and we have oh, a cat so- now too oh, a kitty join the kitty cat club yeah yes mine has been I don't know if you've been able to see through, this is not great podcast talk, but my I'm, since we're doing virtual recording, I'm sitting at a desk in Josh's sound room or studio, which is kind of like our sound studio, and the cats cannot stand the door being closed, so they came in during our recording, and my male cat's been like off the camera right here, mm-hmm. and that's every time you see me turn away, that's what I'm doing, and I'm like moving stuff so he doesn't knock it over because he's <laughs> trying to get my attention. Um, I love that. Has it been hard to move with animals? The only time it has been was this particular move, just because every place we were looking at had a two pet max. And yeah. Elizabeth and I had a real conversation, like, are we going to lie to people? Yes, <laughs> yes we are. Yeah, I thought about, like, doing, but we found a place that worked out for us, and we didn't oh, have to be sketchy. Good. You can also just go, you know, you need it needs to be legitimate, but if you do see a therapist and feel like your pets are adding to your life, some therapists will sign letters for you to have your animals anyway. That's good to know. Yes. Not everyone will. Like at our office, we um, have been instructed via our liability insurance to not not sign off on dogs as emotional support animals unless that dog has been through behavioral training and has been assessed by a vet because we are liable if that dog attacks somebody. Uh And so we, I don't write those letters, but I typically will for cats. You know, typically your cat's not going to attack another person as regularly. So I feel a lot safer (laughs) signing off on you having an emotional support cat than a dog. So funny. Yeah. Uh-huh. Laws are dumb. <laughs> Danny, how are you doing today? You are preparing to move in three weeks, literally, mm-hmm. and have a wedding in two months. If you asked me like a week ago, I would have said, I'm probably going to get hit by a car and that would be the best <laughs> thing in my life. <laughs> but, I'm laughing. I'm, I apologize. That's so inappropriate. But <laughs> it sounds like you are laughing, so I'm going to laugh with no, you. No, I mean, it's fine. But uh, we figured out where we were living. We figured out our moving company. Um we're more comfortable with the wedding stuff coming up. So I'm doing a lot better. Um, Good. And I'm excited for June to be over. And yeah. uh, that way, all of this fun stuff will be behind me. And I'll be on my honeymoon, getting drunk yeah. in Greece, having fun. Ooh, in Greece? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My that sounds amazing. fiance has a bunch of family background over there. So going back to the her motherland i love that that's amazing very jealous very jealous um yeah i am so glad to hear you're doing better it sounds like you were really stressed out with everything last week mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh again i'm a little too chill to a fault so i was like ah, we don't know where we're living yet no big deal but then liz yeah, was like fine. i don't know where i'm living with so we're gonna know we we need to know <laughs> yeah. yeah she's like no we gotta know right now it's and, too soon 
And so I was like, oh, okay, this is a much bigger deal. So, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> pedal to the metal was calling a lot of people. <laughs> well, again, this is where, like, that subtlety, right? You're like, no, well, we're good, we're fine. And then she's over here like, no, Danny, we're not good and we're not fine. Like, oh, okay, I read you yeah, loud yeah. and clear. <laughs> Thank you for telling me we're not fine. I'm glad you have somewhere to live. That's always such a stressful thing. I can't imagine. Yeah, I, I would be a lot like Elizabeth. I would have known, I would have had to known, like, three months ago. I would be freaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine. What's a quote or piece of advice that you would give to our listeners, Danny? Share your wisdom with us. Um, so I do a bunch of like self-help books, and this isn't like a quote per se, but or I guess it's a piece of advice. But like, I think everything kind of boils down to like two or three rules, and this is just going on the top of my head. This is like, yeah. life is hard, but you need to do hard stuff is uh-huh. kind of the Buddha aspect of things. So just embrace that it's going to be hard. Um, over-communicate, over-under-communicate, because otherwise you look like a dick like me. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just accept that you can have a plan and it's not going to work out. And just yeah. try your best. <laughs> yeah. I had a professor at State that shared with us, you can do everything right and still fail. Mm-hmm. And the word fail, I think, is a very triggering word for individuals. But, you know, I would argue that it's sort of like what you're saying. Like, you just just anticipate suffering. I say that all the time. Life is suffering, but you got to live it anyway. You, you know, we'd like you to do your best and try to live your life and know that the suffering does end with good things, typically. You know, every person has some kind of suffering. It's always like, what the, what thing do you want to suffer for, right? You know, pick pick two things, which one is worth the suffering? Because mm-hmm. you're going to have it either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, suffer for something, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good tattoo. <laughs> suffer for something. Yeah. yeah, we talk about it a lot. You know, I that's a, a th- there's a therapy model that, that talks about that a lot, DBT, and they talk about how this concept of like radical acceptance, right? This idea that things are really hard. And once you accept that things are going to be hard, you're going to figure out how to get through them. But if you keep fighting this idea that things aren't supposed to be hard, life's going to be a lot harder for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Danny, thank you so much for being willing to come on and wake up early in Oklahoma and jump on this podcast recording. I'm very excited for y'all to move to a warmer place for a little while, maybe a more consistent weather place. Oklahoma's pretty hot. Yeah. I mean, Florida's pretty fucking hot too, bro. Yeah. It's real hot. It's like you're going to have just consistent hot in Florida. That is fair. No rain, no snow. Oh, I lied. Rain, but no snow. No snow in Florida. Um, but thank you so much for having me on. This has been super exciting. Yeah, I'm so grateful that you could be on here. And I'm excited to hopefully one day get to see you in person again when y'all move here. And thanks for being vulnerable and sharing with us and, you know, like shedding some light on what it's like to have a, a partner who you are in a way, you know, I'll use the word sacrificing consistency in your life for and for her to be the consistent part of your life, knowing that all this will pay off mm-hmm. one day. Yeah, I think that's a really nice, no, I, uh, maybe nice is the right word, but it's a very, it's a new perspective that we haven't really heard a lot. Yeah, I mean, you said the words that I haven't been able to articulate, so that's, I'll, I'll steal that from you. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll write them down for you. I'll like, sign a little note, send it to you. Yeah. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Danny, for coming on the podcast, sharing your story with us, and just being willing to talk about some really difficult things and times when you felt better. And I hope that you continue to feel less stressed in the next couple of weeks as you prepare for your move and your wedding. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks, Danny. Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've Been Better dot pod.